The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS Family Services. The Addiction Recovery Program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the Addiction Recovery Program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. Today's meeting will discuss Step 11, Personal Revelation. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I'm Elder Ennis, and I am serving as missionary group leader this evening. We do not have anybody here for the first time, but as usual, we would like to go around the room. We are missing a couple faces, and just quickly introduce ourselves. We'll begin here at my left with Robert. Hi, my name's Robert. I'm an addict and an alcoholic. Hey, Robert. Hi, Robert. My name's Steve, uh, addict, alcoholic. Hey, Steve. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Hey, hey Scott. Scott. My name's Cammie. I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Cammie. Hey, Hi, I'm Abra. I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Abra. My name is Rich, and I'm a child of God. Hey, Hi, Rich. I'm Karen. I'm an addict. Hey, Karen. Hi, Karen. I'm Scott, and I'm a grateful son of God. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. My name is Dub, and I'm a mess. Hey, Dub. I'm Sharon. I'm an addict. Hi, Hi Sharon. Thank you. would like to remind everybody to please turn off your cell phones and pagers. We do not have any announcements for this meeting, so at that, would somebody please volunteer for the opening prayer? I need to pray. Thanks, Dub. Our kind, loving, eternal Father in heaven, Father, we are so thankful. In fact, we could never be thankful enough for the footwork that you and the brethren have done to get permission from AA to not only use their steps, but to alter them slightly so that they might gel better with our Latter-day Scriptures and our Living Prophet, Seer, and Revelator. Father, we're grateful that 
now that they are in the house of the Lord, that we would be focused enough that we could hear the still small voice of the Holy Ghost and feel the embrace of thy son, our brother, Lord and Master Jesus Christ. As always, Father, we ask a special blessing upon our brothers and sisters out there that are still using and researching their addictions and afflictions. And we would ask that they may be touched in some manner, that they might have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. As always, Father, we acknowledge thy power and unconditional love, and particularly for our tender mercies and our serendipitous blessings. And we acknowledge them from thy hands and thy Son, our brother, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Deb. Thank you. As with all of our meetings, we begin with the church's mission statement for the Addiction Recovery Program, and that is, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assist those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity, and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We'll now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll begin here at my left with Robert. Step 1. Admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable. Step 2 is about hope. We came to believe that the power of God could restore us to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step eight, make a written list of all persons you have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them. Step nine, wherever possible, we make direct restitution to all persons we have harmed. Step 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when you are wrong, promptly admit it. Step 11. Seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will, and have to seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will, and have the power to carry it out. 
Step 12, have you had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ? Share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Thank you. Each week we focus on a different step. This week we will read step 11 found on page 65 from a guide to addiction recovery and healing. We'll go around the room and each person who is willing may read one or two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts, feelings, and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. We'll pick up where we left off. Step 11 is, a per- is about personal revelation. Key principle, uh, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and to have the power to carry it out. As we studied and practiced the steps of recovery, we became familiar and comfortable with life based on humility and acceptance of God's will. Gone were the angry, confused times. If we prayed at all, we prayed either in an attitude of stubborn self-will or whimpering self-pity. We began to live we began to live so our lives reflected the prophetic counsel of President Ezra Taft Benson. Quote, the constant and most reoccurring question in our minds, touching every thought and deed of our lives should be, Lord, what will thou have me have me to do? The answer to that question comes only through the light of the Holy Ghost. Fortunate are those who, who so live that their being is filled with both. End quote. In step 11, we made a, li- a lifelong commitment to seek one day at a time to know the Lord's will and to have the power to carry it out. Our greatest desire was to improve our abilities to receive guidance from the Holy Ghost and to conduct our lives accordingly. This desire was such a great contrast to the attitudes we had when we were lost in our addictions. If you were like us, before you began to recover, you thought hope, joy, peace, and fulfillment would come from an earthly source. Whether this source was alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, dishonest spending, unhealthy eating, or codependency— Whatever your particular addiction was, your effort was to get by in a world where you felt confused, lost, and alone. When others tried to love you, perhaps you couldn't feel it. Their love was never their love was never enough. Nothing satisfied the hunger you felt. As you have lived the principles of recovery, however, your heart and life have changed. You have begun to understand and appreciate your need for the Savior, Jesus Christ, and His role in your life and to treasure the light of Christ. You have begun to realize you are not just talking to yourself when you feel your conscience guide you. Clumsy and unpracticed as you may have felt initially, you now pray to the Father in the name of Christ for a closer relationship with Him. You deliberately seek this Jesus of whom the prophets and apostles have written. You study the scriptures because they testify of him in every instance, especially the Book of Mormon. In testimony after testimony, the prophets of the Book of Mormon describe seeking and finding a better understanding of the Father through the Holy Ghost. You have experimented on the scriptures and found them to be true. Prayer and meditation have become the lifeblood of your new life. Where prayer and meditation used to be a neglected duty, Your heart's desire is now to kneel before our Father at 
least morning and evening, and pour out your heart to him in gratitude for Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. As you work through step 11, you will come to realize even more that through the Holy Ghost, you will receive knowledge or revelation of the Father's will for you. Through the atonement, you will have the power or grace to carry out the will of the Father. You will know you are blessed and supported by three glorified, exalted individuals, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, who are united in power and purpose to bring to pass your immortality and eternal life. You will grow in your ability to resist temptation as you study the scriptures and pray and meditate about them. Learning to receive revelation takes practice and patience. You can prepare yourself by studying what has been said by prophets and apostles and by trying to live according to their teachings. You can prepare by being ready to receive, write down, think about, and follow the guidance you receive. When you express gratitude to the Lord for the blessings you have received, your capacity to receive guidance will increase. As you keep yourself free from your addictions, you will be more able to receive the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve taught, The Holy Ghost will protect us against being deceived, but to realize that wonderful blessing, we must always do the things necessary to retain that spirit. We must keep the commandments, pray for guidance, and attend church and partake of the sacrament each Sunday. And we must never do anything to drive away that spirit. Specifically, we should avoid pornography, alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, and always, always avoid violations of the law of chastity. We must never take things into our bodies or do things with our bodies that drive away the Spirit of the Lord and leave us without our spiritual protection against deception. Prayer and meditation are powerful antidotes to fear and depression. You have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in Him, relying wholly upon the merits of Him who is mighty to save. Only by coming to the Father through Jesus Christ in His name, with His Spirit upon you, can you continue to progress and grow spiritually. Step 11 represents a commitment to improve your relationship with God through a lifetime practice of seeking guidance daily and obeying the commandments. Thank you. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue with the Action Steps, Dub. Thank you. Coming to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ for direction and power through private prayer and meditation. Receive and study our patriarchal blessings. Over the course of recovery, many of us learn to arise early and seek a period of quiet solitude for study and prayer. If we haven't done so already, schedule time for prayer and meditation, perhaps in the morning. During this time, we can put God first before anyone or anything else in the day. Kneel if you are physically able Pray often aloud to the Father, seeking the Spirit to guide us. Then study using the scriptures and the teachings of modern prophets to guide our meditation. 
review our patriarchal blessing often, prayerfully ponder guidance we find in it. If you have not received a patriarchal blessing, talk with your bishop about obtaining one. Writing will once again be a powerful tool of self-expression and appraisal. As you record your thoughts and feelings in a journal, you can also record impressions of counsel, comfort, and wisdom that come through the Holy Ghost. When this precious time of private meditation has ended, do not cease to pray. Silent prayer in the depth of your heart and mind will become your way of thinking throughout your days. As you interact with others, you make decisions as you deal with emotions and temptations, counsel with the Lord, you invite and seek His Spirit to be with you continually, that you might be guided to do the right thing. Meditate throughout the day on the scriptures and other inspired literature. Continue to pray. In many ways, Step 11 is a natural continuation of your efforts in Step 10 to stay aware of the truth in your life. As you plan your days, go about your activities, and retire to bed at night, let your heart be drawn out in prayer to God continually. One idea is to take a thought from what you have read in your morning studies and meditate upon it frequently during your daily activities. This practice will help you keep your mind in tune with truth. By nature, we all tend to be undisciplined. Yet by looking to Jesus Christ and the example He has set, you will find the humility to continue submitting to the Father. Like the Savior, you will be able to say sincerely, Thy will be done. Throughout the day, the light of Christ will guide you and prepare you to receive the companionship of the Holy Ghost. The companionship of the Holy Ghost will become more constant, and your ability to recognize and testify of truth will increase. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Hi, my name is Robert, and I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Welcome, everybody, to our 11th step meeting. Uh, after we did step 10, I've just sort of had a, well, I don't know what you call it, just kind of a moment of clarity, uh, an epiphany, if you will. I always considered the so-called maintenance steps just almost superfluous in my treatment of the 12 steps, and I've uh, come to find that that is maybe the three most important steps. Well, not the most important, but they're certainly more important than I gave them credit for being over the last several years. So this last week, I have been consciously trying to improve my relationship with my Father in Heaven to do more prayer and more meditation. I walk my dog... uh, at least two or three times a day, about a mile, mile and a half. I found that it's, it's a great place to meditate while you're walking your dog because, you know, you're just walking and not paying much attention and you can actually, I can, can actually focus on uh, my relationship with my Father in Heaven and, and it's been a good thing. I found that uh, I just feel rejuvenated. I feel um, like I've been missing the point for some period of time and this improving my conscious contact with God, as the AA step says, has, uh, has been a really good thing. It's improved my uh, it's improved my attitude around the house. I, I feel more gratitude. I pray more often. I meditate more often. 
And so I'm never going to ignore these steps again as I have heretofore. And I'm extremely grateful for each of you for these meetings. I'm going to sorely miss them. I testify again of my personal revelation that this church is true and of the atonement. I do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Rob. Okay, well, I don't think we had anybody late tonight. Just about everybody was. We will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery, this week's step or the step you're currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. Not likely in this group. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Here, here, here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We will conclude the sharing portion five to ten minutes before the end of the meeting for final thoughts from Elder Ennis. Time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share three to five minutes, trying to follow the example of your facilitator. Uh, don't think I'll need to give you. A, don't think I'll need to give you a signal tonight. So can we have a volunteer to start? I got it. Hi, everybody. My name is Steve. Hey, Steve. Addict, alcoholic. Um, there is a lot of really good stuff in this step that that without it, um, I would have uh, definitely had a hard time left to my own devices trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, live life again because, you know, from all the medications I was on, <laughs> I I know I received a lot of brain damage, and I had no idea how to 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 handle problems. You know, you know the thing they call life. Every time I had a problem before, it was use, or every time I had to celebrate something, it was use. <laughs> so I mean, that's just how I dealt with things. It was it was. It was just a way of life for me. So, so after I got rid of using, um, I still had certain tendencies, and I didn't really know how to address or, or go about problems in my life, like you know, get my debt taken care of, or find, you know, find a, a woman that would want a recovering heroin addict. Um, but, but thank goodness for for personal revelation. There's there's a part in here that says, uh, Over the course of recovery, many of us learned to arise early and seek a period of quiet solitude for study and prayer. Um, and I've, I have found that to be um, key in my recovery, and thank goodness. Um, there's also a promise in the scriptures. You'll find it in DNC 88. Um, verse, hold on just a second, verse 83, and it, and it, and it, there's a huge promise, and it talks about the same thing as this step. It says, he that seeketh me early shall find me, and shall not be forsaken. Now that, 
that's a big promise, shall not be forsaken. Um, if we, now I'm, I'm one of the, the biggest uh, offenders of this. I, sometimes I, I wake up in the morning, I, I say my prayer and skip scripture study, but, but my, my day seems to go awfully hard because I, you know, uh, sometimes I, you know, don't have that, uh, that meditation that I need to go throughout the day. And with all the chaos and stuff in life, I mean, it's very important to, to have that meditation. But, I mean, let me read that again. He that seeketh me early shall find me and shall not be forsaken. So if we seek his face first thing in the morning when we get out of bed, it, it, I mean, it's, it's clear. We shall find him and shall not be forsaken. I mean, to have the Savior help us with each and every day as we, as we go about our business, it, it, it couldn't be... I mean, there can't be anything better. I mean, obviously, uh, he's taken the wreckage of, of what I call called my, my life, you know, bankruptcy. Uh, my life was in shambles. Um, but, but through my meditation, um, he's led me to, to my wife. He's led me back to college. He's uh, led me to a good career. And he's also blessed me with, you know, my first daughter, and I ha- have a son on the way. Um, it's it's nothing short of a miracle. Um, I just want to bear my witness to this step that that if we seek a mountain prayer meditation, um, there there's some another big promise. I, I just want to read really fast, and then I'll turn it over. Um, it says prayer and meditation are powerful antidotes to fear and depression. You have not come this far, save it were by the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. But they're powerful antidotes to fear and depression. So, so if, we're, if we're meditating and praying, uh, we don't have to worry about being depressed or we don't have to worry about going about things with fear. Um, we can, you know, always walk forward with the I single to his glory because, you know, when we're meditating on him, um, that's when we find true courage. And I I say those things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. My experience with this step before before I I got sober was, was nothing because I never felt the spirit and <clears throat> I never knew that like I could even get personal revelation and I didn't think that the atonement pl- applied to me anyway and I thought it applied to everybody else but I figured that I'd done too much and so it didn't even ever occur to me you know that I could ever pray and and get help with anything and I remember when I first got locked up and I was uh, sitting in the Utah County Jail waiting for my my sentence to go to the prison and the thing that was the hardest at that point was uh, previously before I I was incarcerated was I had sole custody of my two children who were nine and seven you know I wouldn't say that I necessarily deserved to have custody of them but their mother was even 
and different. You know, we were both in kind of a bad lifestyle at the time, and so you know, they just, I guess, ended up with them, even though I, you know, I didn't deserve that. But while I was in the jail, I obviously I sobered up over the course of four months, and I was able to start thinking more clearly and and thinking about you know, where my choices had led me and just felt awful about, you know, my kids were in this, literally in limbo right then. You know, my parents were trying to fight for custody of them, but my also my ex-wife was as well. And um, my ex-wife won. And I remember that day I found out I just felt so horrible. And and I had prayed and I was fasting and, and uh, you know, and I was just like, Lord, you know what what happened and and that was the first time I've ever you know heard the spirit whisper to me the cuz it, it was as plain as if we're sitting here in the room the the spirit said your your kids are going to be okay they're going away and they're going to be okay when you get out they'll be back and I remember thinking they'll be back what does that mean and I pondered it for our basically almost the whole six years I was in there. And for some reason, I just kept thinking, well, the Lord said they'll be back. I don't know how, because they live out of state now, and they're, like, established in a school. And, like, there's, I couldn't imagine in my, my mind how they could be back. But when I got out, um, a month after I got out, my mom called me and, and said, you're not going to believe this, but your kids are moving back. And I was like, it didn't really shock me like, like like it was shocking my whole family. I was like, there it goes. You know, the Lord answers those those uh, those promises or, or promises he keeps. And I just felt they actually only moved here for two months, and then they moved again. But I know that that was the answer. He's like trying to comfort me through those six years, and, and it was a comforting feeling. And even though they left again, I knew that, you know, that was a testimony to me of personal revelation. And I know that, you know, I need to to keep that spirit with me, you know, and so that I can actually listen to the spirit. And and uh, before, like I said, you know, before I, I, I couldn't, ha- I didn't have that. And now I do. And it's all, only because of this program and the eight years that I've gotten, you know, of sobriety that I can actually hear that and, and feel that, and I'm grateful for that. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, 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 Hi, my name is Cammie, and hey, Cammie. I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Cammie. Um, sometimes I think we uh, receive personal revelation even when we don't ask for it. <laughs> I've just been uh, still struggling with my making amends. And uh, I know my family has been praying for me. And our home teachers came on Sunday. And they talked about forgiving and letting go of uh, grudges. And... uh, I've pretty much been uh, pretty mad at my bishop and um, 
I knew they were, that's what they were talking about. And uh, when I woke up, I think maybe even the night before, I told Scott that I wasn't going to church. And I feel like because I have shingles, I have good enough excuse. And uh, the real reason is I'm just mad. (laughs) Even though, you know, I just need to go to church and get over it. And uh, I'm just so grateful every time I come to these meetings. I feel like they're specifically for me. And talks in the manual and Steve pointed it out. The more, like, we pray and read our scriptures, it can eliminate fear and depression and just so fearful about it. But I'm just ruminating about it, and uh, it's just ridiculous. But um, then my brothers, they go to BYU with me, and we have them over for dinner, and... Um, my little brother, he was like, so how is church? And Scott can't, uh, he's excommunicated because of certain circumstances. He can't go without me. So I feel pretty guilty about that too. And he was like, oh, I mean, my brother, he was like, how is church? And I was like, we didn't go. And then my other brother just had the worst look on his face. Like, he was just so ashamed, and he didn't even have to say anything. And because he knows I know I'm supposed to go, and there's no reason not to go. I'm just being really ridiculous. And um, so... It's just a process, and uh, it's just Satan, and, uh, but, I mean, it's not like at least I could come to the meetings, because they don't replace church, but, I mean, a lot of times I feel like I get more out of the meetings, but. I just need to do what I'm supposed to. And uh, I'm grateful for personal revelation, even though I don't always do what I, uh, what the, what I receive. And uh, I say it's thanks to Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Cammie. Hi, Mabra. Hi, Abra. Hi, Abra. Um, Personal revelation for me was um, was really hard um, when I was diagnosed with uh, MS. When they first um, found out that I was sick, they told me I had a brain tumor, and I was like fifty miles away from my house, and I couldn't see, I, and I was all alone. And um, the doctor told me to go and tell my family that I was, that I had a brain tumor and that I was basically going to die. And I was like, great, I can't see and I'm 50 miles away from home and I'm by myself and I can't drive. And all I could think about was going out and getting high. And 
I didn't know what to do. And, and uh, the doctor said, do you need me to call somebody? And I said, no, I'll, I'll be fine. And I sat in the office for like a half an hour while my eyes readjusted to the light because I had had my eyes dilated. And, and um, I just said a prayer and I said, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm not worthy to have any kind of help or or anything, and and I knew I had drugs out in my car, and I thought I'm just going to go out in the car and just get high, and I'll be fine, and I'll go home, and which I did, and I was dumb, and which in my whole time of ever doing any kind of drugs, I never like I never got pulled over, I never got caught, and I think Heavenly Father was really taking care of me, but I am. Um, went home and I told my family and we were just starting to go back to church and and um, we had the uh, elders quorum presidency come over and give me a blessing my my dad couldn't give me a blessing neither could my husband and and um, right then when I had that blessing heavenly father he didn't he didn't tell me through the blessing he told me in my heart he told me that I was going to be okay he told me that I wasn't going to I wasn't. I wasn't going to have something that I couldn't live with. That I wasn't going to die, and because that's what I thought, I was just going to die. And and um, so when the doctor called me later that week, he told me that I had MS, and I thought, well, that's okay. I can live with that. Well, fast forward twelve years, and I'm thinking, I don't like this very much. It might have been better the other way, but because <laughs> um, sometimes it's really hard to live with MS and. Um, but I, I know that my heavenly father, even though I said a prayer and said, I I don't deserve you to help me. And, and I went out immediately from saying that prayer and I used, and the one thing that I, the one thing I've learned is that every time I did that, He loved me anyway, and I did that a lot those first few months, and I would tell him that I'm not going to use anymore, and I'm going to be good, and I just want to get better, and he would tell me everything would be fine, and I would know in my heart it was going to be fine, and then I would go and be stupid, and I would use him. And my, it wasn't until the doctors told me that I had to quit that I quit, and I knew that I didn't have a choice. And I think that Heavenly Father knew that I wouldn't ever quit if He didn't make it that way for me, because I was stubborn and bullheaded. And I'm thankful to my Heavenly Father for knowing me well enough to know that I'm worth saving and that we're all worth saving because it could have been really different for me and my life could have been really different. I'm thankful to come to these meetings and 
I'm thankful for a loving Heavenly Father that forgives me every time I screw up and that loves me and that knows that no matter how many times I say I'm sorry that I'm probably going to screw up again in like 10 minutes and it might not be the same thing now, but I'm still going to screw up and, and that he loves me anyway. I I want you to, I, I just want to leave my testimony that I love this program. I know that this is inspired and that our Heavenly Father is there for us no matter what and no matter how many times we screw up. But I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Abra. Thanks, Abra. My name is Rich. Hey, Rich. I am a child of God and nothing more and nothing less. I'm uh, grateful to be here this evening. Um, personal revelation is one of the greatest gifts um, that I've been given and my ability to develop that because of what I've been through and um, what I've learned in this program is something that I would not trade all of what I've been through for that one gift alone. Um, I want to share an experience that I had that was one of those um, testimony builders for me about personal revelation. Before we started these um, meetings about 12 weeks ago, I was in the, I was supposed to go to the Philippines on my, the day before I was supposed to go to the Philippines, I had to uh, go and pick up some things for my trip and I was out and uh, running errands, uh, picked up the things that I needed to, and I was driving home, and I drove past a, a certain LDS bookstore. And um, as I was driving past this bookstore, I had this very strong prompting that I needed to go in. I thought to myself, no, I don't have time. There's nothing I need in there. It's not on my list. And so I ignored it. Um, I got that same prompting again, and I used to be one of those people that would wait three times for a prompting. I'm trying to get better, so I'm now down to two. <laughs> um, someday I hope to get to one. We'll see. Um, two is a lot harder than, than three. But um, So I turned my car around, and I went back into this bookstore, and I I literally didn't have time to go spend in there for anything I had um, everything I needed, I had already bought the book I was going to be reading. Uh, and I went into this bookstore and I walked around and I looked and I, you know, kept in my heart saying, all right, Lord, you wanted me in here. I'm here. Show me what you need me to get and I'll get out of here. And, uh, it didn't work that way. Um, took me probably about 15 or 20 minutes of wandering around this bookstore, went down the same aisle that I'd been down two or three times and I'm standing in front of this um, bookshelf, and I'm looking through, looking at the titles and the authors and all this stuff, and um, just picking up books and opening them, hoping that there's something that's going to stand out to me. I take one book, pick it up off the shelf, and hold it in my hands. And before I can even look at the title, um, I just felt this strong uh, confirmation and warmth just run through my entire body. And I look down and I see this book is Faith Precedes the Miracle by Spencer W. Kimball. Had never read it. Uh, have it on my list of books to read, but but haven't gotten to it. 
pick up this book, hurry and pay for it, and, and leave. Um, during my trip to the Philippines, I carried um, two books with me. Uh, I read one of them on my way there, and uh, it was Divine Signatures by Gerald Lund. Um, wonderful book. Talks about all these sequences and series of events um, that line up that show the hand of God in our lives or in the lives of, of the church. And I had just finished reading this before my last flight segment home. Um, really rang true to me about just these sequence of events uh, that were happening. So I'm on my last leg of, of my flight after flying 17, I think about 17 hours. Uh, and I get this book, Faith Precedes the Miracle, out of my bag to read. Um, as I'm walking onto the plane, the uh, I scan my boarding pass, and the ticketing thing starts beeping like there's a problem with my ticket. And I think to myself, great, <laughs> I'm going to get stuck in this airport after flying um, all this time just to get home. And the lady stops me and says, you've been upgraded to first class. I thought to myself, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so I took my ticket stub and, and went and sat down in the seat and started reading my book. Probably about 20 minutes into the flight uh, of me reading this book, the lady sitting across the aisle from me, I noticed, had opened up uh, and was reading a church magazine. I didn't say anything uh, for a while. And then... Um, I stood up, stretched, and sat back down, all this time holding my book in my hand. And this lady kept looking at me like stunned. Uh, she she seemed a little bit stunned at, at, at what I was reading or whatever. And I, I leaned over and said, I see you're reading a church magazine and that. And she said, yeah, yeah, I am. The part that's more strange to me is that I've been reading this article for a few months now, I've been reading this, and I've been meaning to get this reference of the first, uh, the first footnote in this in this article I've been reading, and it just so happens to be the book that's in your hand. And she said, "It's Faith Precedes the Miracle" by Spencer W. Kimball, and I have in my notes that I need to go and get this book. And I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, I just finished reading Divine Signatures about all these things that that happened. I wasn't even supposed to have this book. I didn't want it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have time to go and pick it up in the bookstore. I didn't want to carry it around the country or halfway across the world and back with me. And I'm thinking to myself, there's too much of a coincidence for this not to be uh, meant to be. And I said, well, what is it? We looked up in the reference, and it was actually a talk, the only talk in the entire book that I had read, um, which is Tragedy or Destiny by Spencer W. Kimball, which talks. It's an amazing talk. Anyways. I I close the book and I look at it and I realize to myself that the reason I was sent into that bookstore was not so that I could have that book, but was for this lady. This lady had uh, confided in me that she had just recently started attending church again after 14 years. Um, she said that she was amazed at how aware of her that her Father in Heaven is even after a few short months of just getting back and attending church. I closed the book, I handed it to her across the aisle, and I said, clearly, this book was not meant for me. And I shared the experience that I had gotten to, to actually have that in my possession on that trip. 
and handed her that copy of the book. She sat there with these tears running down her face. I sat there with tears running down my face as I realized that my Father in Heaven loved her enough to get me to go into a bookstore when I didn't have time to deliver a book to someone that may never have gone and gotten it for whatever reason. I'm grateful for the blessing that comes out of listening to the Holy Ghost. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me other than my willingness. Um, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. I bear my testimony of the power of personal revelation that it has not only to influence my life, but the lives of those who are struggling that need the Holy Ghost's hands in their lives through my hand. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Hi, Karen. Well, I was going to make it really short and sweet, but as I was sitting here listening to Rich's story, I was it was brought to my mind a remembrance of a story that I had with a book and giving one away. And um, I haven't thought of this for years, and mine had a really different ending, but I wanted to share it anyway because it is relevant to Step 11. Um, I was actually getting ready to go on my mission, and I was in a singles ward in Colorado, and um, I got up to bear my testimony on the last testimony meeting before I was leaving, and I was just kind of giving the standard answers. Um, you know, I know the Book of Mormon's true. I know that Jesus Christ lives, and 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 I'm talking, just going along, going through the motions. And as I'm kind of talking, saying I'm getting ready to go on my mission, yay! I'm so excited. I see a guy come in the back of the room who was wearing jeans and t-shirt and um, just sat down on the back row. And I was just getting ready to finish my testimony when I said. I know that Jesus Christ lives. And he stood up and he goes, how do you know? And this is like during the middle of testimony meeting, so I had never processed this scenario in my head. But um, (laughs) I said, I just know. Um, And he goes, have you seen him? And I just said, well, no, but I just know. And I held up my little quad scriptures and said, because it says so in here, and he goes, but how do you really know? And I said, I, I, just, I just kind of flustered my way through the experience, and I said, I just know from the scriptures and what I've been taught, and I said, here, why don't you take these scriptures, and you'll find it in here if you really try. And I gave him my little quad that had my name embossed on it and everything, you know, <laughs> that I was going <laughs> to take on the mission, and he walked up to the front and took my quad, and, and then he left the chapel, and... Um, I kind of was like really flustered and was just like, ah, hurry and sit down, you know. But um, I don't think, um, at least not yet, I don't know that this story has turned out with the same kind of ending as Rich's where this was an inspired moment for him. But um, I have reflected on what this experience has brought to my own mind um, over the years and how do I know. And... um, how do I know that he lives? And at that time, I probably didn't know even a portion, small amount, 
like I know now <laughs> that he lives because of these experiences. But um, I really like Step 11, and this is, I love the way the church has taken the original AA steps and put Jesus Christ in them and all of that stuff. But Step 11 is the one, I have to say, and I know it's bugs rich to death, but Step 11 is the one step I like better in AA than I like in this book. And it's simply because, and I'm sorry, strike me down, and I know that this is inspired and everything, but I really, really like the phrase conscious contact and um, how it says that we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. And then it goes on to say and to ha- to know his will and carry it out. Um, and I do think that as we are further along in our recoveries that we may not need that little phrase like maybe now it's it's enough for me to say I need to know the Lord's will and have the power to carry out. But when I started and when I um, was really first beginning, I couldn't even process finding out the Lord's will. I had given up on God pretty much. And I, and I know I had to work through these steps to get to step 11, but I could make a conscious effort to remain in contact with God. And that's all I could do. And so I was really grateful for step 11, both in AA and as well in these steps, because that made it a way for me to make this conscious effort to, to retain that contact, and it basically says it. It's just a different way of saying it in here, where it says the Holy Ghost will protect us against being deceived, but to realize that wonderful blessing, we must always do the things necessary to retain that spirit. We must never do anything to drive away that spirit, and that's what it is to, to keep that conscious contact. And um, ha- knowing the Lord's will doesn't necessarily mean him telling us everything that we need to do. And there's been, I know a lot of people, and I've been this way myself at times, where I feel like I got, I've got to get an answer for everything before I do it. And I don't think that's necessarily what this means. Like, I don't need to pray about whether I need to vacuum first or clean the blinds, you know. But I know people that are like that. But I need to be living my life in a way that when that prompting needs to come, like Rich was talking about, that that prompting can come, that personal revelation can come, live my life in a way that I can receive that special, you know, feeling or witness or prompting. And so this is what I have to work on every day because I really love suspense novels and I really love movies And these are two areas where, if you're not really careful, you could lose the spirit. I mean, there's a lot of suspense novels out there and movies that have horrible language and things like that. And I just have to go back to, um, I remember as a missionary, again, at the MTC, them saying once, would you feel comfortable with Christ sitting next to you in this movie? If not, then get up and leave. And it's as simple as that, and I don't always do that, but that is the standard that I try to live. And the primary thing about it all the time when they say, if the Savior stood beside me, would I do the things I do? And basically, that's what it means to me to be in in contact with the Spirit and with the Savior all the time, maintaining righteousness in order to have that Spirit when it's needed. So... 
So I don't know if that man in that sacrament meeting ever joined the church. Probably not. I did end up getting my quad back like a month later. Um, The bishop somehow found the man and got my scriptures back. So I don't think he ever read them. But I have a lot stronger testimony now. And if somebody were to ask me that question now, um, it definitely wouldn't be because I've read the scriptures and that's how I know. But it's because I've lived the atonement. I have felt it in my life. And why the Lord has been so merciful to me, I will never understand because he really has been and given me chance after chance. And um, I'm so grateful for his mercy. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hi, I'm Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. And I am very grateful to know that I have a Heavenly Father that loves me and was blessed. Oh, back when I got my patriarchal blessing to have have the gift of faith in God. I think I've said in here before, I can't imagine going through some of the trials I've gone through or some of the trials I've heard others go through without that basic faith. That would just uh, be unbearable. Um, I struggle with this step in that I, I feel like I have a lot of faith and my prayers, I have a lot of faith and confidence in my prayers towards someone else, but in filling my direction and answers, I, I struggle with feeling those as direct a, uh, guidance in my life as I guess I would like. I probably require it to be spelled out too much to me, again, being too much in my head, but I, I can bear witness that God does does stand beside us. He he reassures, he he boosts up, he heals, he does those kind of things and, and you can feel it and I just can't deny that but that that's real. Um there have been times when I heard I matter of fact it was in one of these meetings, not with this group, but another group where Someone had talked about shutting off the radio for a few weeks, and and as I thought about that, about all I thought about that whole meeting is, the, for me, the still small voice has never been something that's kind of really gotten my attention. I've had to kind of be real quiet and pondering and looking for it, and I'm one that immediately in the car, the radio's on, and even if I don't like that, it's one station to the next, and I get home, and it's it's activity or the TV or something constantly filling my thoughts and the idea of shutting off the noise so that I can actually hear that still small voice was huge. And I did that for, oh, several weeks anyway. And it it just made a huge difference. And then my news junkie (coughs) attitude got me going again. Oh, I got to just check, see what's happening. And pretty soon it was on nonstop again. So I'm grateful for this reminder. The... Remember people coming in, new people coming in and say, yeah, I've got to come to these meetings. I guess I'll be here for the next three months. It's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> or maybe longer if you really want to get what you can from it. And I've been coming to these for oh, five out of the last six years. And here again, I'm just getting reminded I need to work harder to hear that still small voice. For me, I, I, I like the term 
non-judgmental awareness um, in referring to meditation. I, I went through a period where I was reading meditation books and this slow breathing and all these things, just trying to slow down my thoughts and not overthink things and just kind of be aware of my feelings because I was so out of touch with emotions after 30 years of numbing them all out that I just needed to, okay, what am I feeling here? What What is going on? And to not critique it and beat myself up for it, but just to kind of sit with it and go, okay, what's that? Oh, wow. Why am I, why am I thinking that maybe? And where did that come from? And it was just such a eye opener to me that there were so many things there and being angry is not a bad feeling. Being sad is not a bad feeling. It's not a sinful thing. It's just feelings and they just are. And to realize that for me and to be taught that by the spirit really helped me to not be be so hard on myself. Um, again, I appreciate Steve's pointing out this comment about prayer and meditation being antidotes to fear and depression. Um, dealing this week with a, a struggle with a sibling that's uh, just moved back in with us because of struggles in her marriage and because of depression and aggression and various things won't go all into, but just feel very much for her and that just the weight that that depression can have on, on an individual and then on a family. And it's just such a negatively powerful emotion and situation. And, and I have a lot of fear uh, in my life still primarily stopping from doing I. I think some of the main things that I feel like I have been given inspiration about, some uh, I'm a strong believer that our passions, are those things that are most important to us, are given to us by God to help direct us in our missions, what he wants us to do in our lives. And uh, for the last, well, since I was probably 18, I've had strong feelings about where I'm supposed to be going and what I'm supposed to be doing. And 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 there's great fear associated with it that oh if i start this i'll fail and and i'll i'll never be able to live with that and everyone expects i'll fail anyway and boy it just so the, the reminder that okay i know that satan talking to me in the first place but prayer and meditation is the answer to it and i haven't really used that in that part of my life and so i i'm grateful for the reminder that again these steps are. Um, I, I kind of wish the title was a little bit different on the book, that it wasn't really an addiction recovery program because it's, it's so much a program for every everyone in and out of the church. I mean, if everyone would follow these principles, I mean, all our lives would be happier. Uh, we'd be more in tune with a Heavenly Father that's willing to bless all of us, not just addicts and those that struggle with deeply seated emotional problems. I'm working hard to pray more often and I need to pray more sincerely rather than just saying prayers at the end of and beginning of days. Cause you know, I think it was a daughter recently that talked, was talking about saying prayers, how that's, well, that isn't that kind of what some of these rote memorized prayers that some religions do. And sometimes I do that. It's just kind of a checklist and, 
I think there's some benefit in that, but not as much as really praying and communicating with Heavenly Father. So um going to work on that again and refocus on that. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Scott. My name is Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who has multiple allergies. I am allergic to alcohol, tobacco, drugs, pornography, lust, lying, cheating, stealing, conning, manipulating, any of those sounding familiar. That's who we were. Step 11. First time I did a step 11 was back at my old stomping grounds in Farmington, New Mexico at a meeting called Arid Acres. Uh, The reason we call it Arid Acres is because it was an old barn that some farmer gave us and we turned it into a meeting house and it was very arid. There was holes in the wall and it was pretty cold in the winter and hot in the summer but it was a great, great meeting. Anyway, uh, for the longest time, they just focused on the Mormon three-stepper. That was me, because I'd do step one, two, three, and everybody else went four, five. I did one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> so finally, uh, one night, my old sponsor uh, had had a gut full, and he said, we're not leaving until you get step four done, and and I've heard it in step five tonight. So I got after it, and this is not step four, but just a little background. I was amazed at the magic that took place as I wrote it down. It was almost like, man, that felt good. So we get on through six and seven, and those are great. And then eight and nine are, are really hard. That's personal, you know. You can't just write write your character defects and slide it under the bishop's door. Uh, you have to go to Steve's front door and knock on him and say, Hey, Steve, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I look him right in the eye, and he's going to say, You know what, Dub? You're right. You are one sorry. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, step step 10 is... is is my favorite, as I mentioned last week, uh, because you can act, act, act daily and, and keep a lot of the brain damage away. And then we get to step 11. And I prayed a lot, but this meditate, uh, every time that my sponsor encouraged me to pray and meditate, I could not get this picture of my head of Habib sitting in that corner with the turban on with his arms folded and his legs crossed going hum. And I thought, you know, that's how arrogant I was. Now, uh, meditation is the highlight of my day. I do it every morning in my study period. And, and I have learned that it is my only and best chance of personal revelation. You know, I never get any personal revelation outside of meditation. I make a connection there that I could never make with just praying and pondering. Uh, 
But if I will totally get in the moment and, and meditate with him, there is a connection there that brings me to tears every time I make that connection. And, and uh, when I cry, uh, that's a good thing because I know there's a little healing going on. Uh, because even after 13 years of clean and sober, there's still a little arrogant dub that keeps showing up about every six hours. And, uh, you know, so I, I have to guard against that because I, I'm either very humble and in the service of my brother Jesus Christ or I'm very arrogant and in the service of me. Uh, so, you know, this this group here that we meet on these last few Wednesdays have been a godsend for me. It's, it's a whole new group of Wednesday friends. And I used to watch TV and they had this thing called Wednesday's Child. <laughs> So I always wanted to hang out with a bunch of Wednesday's children. So here we are. So I just want to bear my witness that, that I know that God lives and that Jesus is the Christ. And that all those dark secrets I kept for many, many years, because I knew nobody would like me if they knew my secrets, I hadn't really figured the whole deal out yet because not only did the Savior know about them, he had already paid for them. Silly me. Silly me. I feel like a giggling little five-year-old girl for not figuring, and nothing against you beautiful ladies, by the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, these meetings, I've never been to one that I could not recognize the embrace of my Lord and Master Jesus Christ right here with us, including tonight. I say that in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks Dub. Well, I'm Sharon, and I'm an addict. Hi, Sharon. Sharon. What a great step, step 11. I've enjoyed listening to everybody's stories. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to say until a few minutes ago. And then it hit me what I needed to say. It's really important to realize that step 11 is all about the Lord's will and accepting his will. And I remember when I got sober and I had made a decision to stay sober, I was about nine months clean and I got on my knees and I said, okay, God, I recognize how you saved me and now I'll serve you, whatever it takes. I'm yours. And um, I guess I thought when I made that decision to serve our Heavenly Father that, you know, I might end up with this better experience than I grew up with. And so, you know, in accepting God's will, um, I just thought, okay, I'm yours. I just thought that I was going to have this white dress and I was going to flow everywhere and everything was going to be fine. And, you know, not a perfect life, but better. And so anyway... Life went on, and I got married, and I had my kids. And anyway, my first husband had fallen into addiction, and 
um, in his addiction, he raped me and put me in a hospital. And uh, shortly, uh, shortly after that, he was convicted of a, a felony for hurting me. And I had these, you know, I had my kids. But um, shortly after that, I had my patriarchal blessing because I was looking for direction and I was paying attention. Like, okay, God, what do you want from me now? And in my blessing, it had mentioned a few things, and I won't mention all of them, but some things that stand out is that I was going to have trial after trial. And that it also mentioned that I was valiant in the preexistence. And at the time, it also mentioned that not only did my father in heaven love me, but that my mother in heaven loved me. And that was pretty significant at the time. But also it mentioned that our Savior was leading me where to go and what to do in my everyday life. And I thought, wow, you know, and, it, and it's telling me right here I have this relationship with all three of them before it even gets to the Holy Ghost. I thought, okay, that's really special. But then it talks about that I was going to have joy. And I thought, okay, all right. You know, and at the time I thought, well, maybe that's the worst trial. I can, you know, try to work through that and be okay. But anyway, had gotten remarried. And um, anyway, I got married in the temple to this guy. And we had kids, uh, my kids, and he had kids. And um, shortly after we met, um, my grandma died. And then shortly after that, my brother killed himself. And a year after that, uh, my brother-in-law killed himself. And a friend of mine killed himself. And a matter of fact, the uh, mortician, at, his name's Jerry at Russell Brothers, he actually did my brother's temple work because we were there so much. And um, anyway, I was so happy with my second husband. I can't even begin to tell you how happy. Um, and um, anyway, he got sick. He stopped taking his medication. And um, about three years ago, he, in a nutshell, ruined our family. And um, anyway, I was even talking before the meeting that it's still really hard for me to go to the temple because I had to say goodbye to him there because he just was so bizarre. And um, anyway, he threw the kids across the room, and I had to get them safe. And anyway, I thought, okay, God, really? <laughs> really? I did everything you asked me to do, and now why? Well, shortly after that, um, I, you know, I just kept hanging in there. And in, in the middle of all these horrible things, all these miraculous things were happening. And all these people were coming and asking me in the middle of my biggest devastation, hey, how do I stay sober? I'm like, really? I'm trying to figure this out, too, because I'm just hanging on today. But yeah, I'm sponsoring all these people, feeling pretty empty, but God's telling me to do it. I'm like, okay. Well, anyway, I had lost, um, I raised three girls. I was, so when I got divorced from my second husband, it wasn't such a, it wasn't just a devastation of my husband. It was these three girls I had raised that about killed me. And, um, you know, but it, I had to let them go. And one of the girls has come back and recognizes that I'm the one that's been there, and she has a little girl, and I'm Grandma Sharon, and she has another little, little baby on the way. But um, anyway, and then all this hard stuff with my sons came, was, you know, acting out, obviously, from the things that had happened with their dad and with their stepdad. And anyway, I just thought, you know what, God, really, I'm about done. I'm about to jump off the cliff myself because, seriously, why am I— why do you even want from me? I'm reading my patriarchal blessing. I'm 
doing it faithfully, Lord. I'm showing up for church. I'm, I'm doing what you want. But why? Where's that part? Where's that joy part? Where is that? You know, honestly, I'm doing your will. Well, anyway, I really love how our Father in Heaven puts us through all this stuff for a while, and then he always puts it in a nice little bow and a nice little package that you get to see why it was all for. And um, anyway, uh, this year, uh, well, I, I guess it's been a year ago since in November, um, but I decided to um, go from the facilitator role to a missionary role in the mission. And um, I have had wonderful experiences as a facilitator for years, um, but I really felt prompted that I needed to to do a mission. And so, anyway, I'm currently serving in the as a missionary in the ARP program, and um, I was assigned to Orange Street, a women's halfway house. And uh, a lot of these women are transitioning; they're all transitioning from prison. Most of them, or have had been in jail, or have had some issue where their PO is sending them in there for a while. And anyway, but a lot of them are transitioning to get jobs. And anyway, when I started going to this meeting, there wasn't anybody coming. Like maybe one, maybe two. Um, and I can understand why. Why isn't anybody coming to this meeting? And um, anyway, in time, I started asking the one or two that was coming, "What can we do to get?" women to come because it's a halfway house for gosh sakes they need this meeting anyway i come to find out that um anyway they had said that there had been missionaries there in the past that weren't addicts and so they weren't feeling like they were they were getting them and the other thing is that um at the time that it was a man and a woman was coming and it really didn't it didn't take a rocket scientist to know that these women needed a safe place to share without men being in that room you know, some of them have prostitution in their background, and I, of course, almost was a prostitute myself, pretty darn close. And anyway, um, what happened is I went to my mission president and said, we need to get rid of the men at Orange Street, and it needs to be a women-only meeting. And then I had prayed for a right companion, and my companion that I was blessed with that we serve there today, um, she lost a son to gang violence. Um almost 18 years ago, and um, anyway, a friend of her son and a family friend of mine shot each other at this Miss Parking Lot 18 years ago in gang violence, and we had cried together in years, about 10 years ago in church, and about those boys, and so I was just like, perfect, perfect, best partner ever. (laughs) Well, anyway, in time, in time, um, the women started coming um, slowly but surely, and there has been times that we've had up to 25 women at a time in these meetings, and we went from one meeting a week to two meetings a week. And what does my little pitiful, <laughs> heartfelt, horrible story have to do with anything? It has to do with everything with my mission. Everything. I can say that I know what these women are feeling like. I mean, I was sober when I lost custody of my son. I didn't do anything wrong. I hadn't lost him for the same reason. But, you know, he's come home now. But some of these women haven't seen their kids since they were babies, and they're, it's been 14 years that they've been in prison, and all these years, and some of them are just getting their kids back. And so, anyway, we have a theme. And I mean it when I say it, when I'm there at Orange Street every week. Our theme is that these are women who are missionaries in training. Because, see, that's exactly what I was, as a missionary in training through all of this 
And it's exactly what our Lord's Heavenly Father's will was for me. And if I hadn't had that knowledge that I was valiant in the preexistence, and he didn't give me that little glimpse of things to hang on to when things were hard, I may have been another suicide, and that's the truth. But I'm getting to have some of that joy. Uh, one of the things that my mission companion and I chose to do, it's not required, but it's what we do, um, is once a month we go to the Orange Street branch with the women and attend church with them. And anyway, it was really neat. Um, actually, just this last Sunday, they were having this lesson, and one of the women raised her hand, and she said, well, I get it. I get what you're saying. We're missionaries in training. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's the way they treat each other. They help each other get back to the facility sober at the end of the day. And they're healing in that room. And men aren't allowed. <laughs> and all I know is that we went from one meeting a week to two. And the meetings are coming. And all I know is that my Heavenly Father needed me to go through some really painful stuff for some really beautiful purposes. And the joy part is now coming because it's not just the women. My kids, they're doing great now. They're A and B students. That was not the case even a year ago. And I guess the biggest thing is, you know what? I've learned what I'm made of. I'm made of some pretty good stuff. And it's because we have this little silly thing called the 12 Steps you know, this little Sally, I really love that saying that no matter how far down the scale you've gone, there's 12 steps back. <laughs> That's the truth. And um, you know what? There's also a saying that let your, you know, it's in the scriptures, but let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. And you know what? I can't paint a pretty, pretty picture because that wasn't my experience. But my experience today is that the Lord has blessed me with a light today that shines. And he took me from the darkness. And I know that what his will is for me, he trusted me with a mission that I didn't even know yet was coming. And for that knowledge and for that revelation, I couldn't be more grateful. And I'm really grateful to be part of this project as well. And I really come to love all I do. And I missed you the last couple of weeks. And I say the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Elder thank you so much, everybody, for sharing. Uh, we are low on time, but take your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make it quick. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody, for sharing. Once again, it's a... Uh, it's a blessing and an honor to be here with you. Um, grateful for uh, the testimonies that have been shared. Um, step 11, personal revelation. My experience with step 11 and personal revelation, um, as at this particular point in time, as we've been grappling and scraping and trying to come back to our Heavenly Father to gain what we've lost through our addiction, you know, this is really the step where we have the opportunity to acknowledge and receive something and recognize that we are receiving and that we have been receiving uh, personal revelation. And as it pertains to us personally and the guidance and direction that our Heavenly Father uh, has been giving us. 
Um, I think this is a continuation. As it says, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and have the power to carry it out. Uh, My own personal experience uh, with my addiction, the intended purpose with my addiction was to cement my soul in a state of active opposition to God and His will. You know, uh, my addiction and the nature of my addiction uh, with the ultimate outcome or the ultimate consequence of completely and totally destroying that natural link that exists between me and my Heavenly Father and that of personal revelation, that divine, that divinely natural connection between my Heavenly Father and myself, that connection um, is the essence of personal revelation. You know, uh, without our Heavenly Father, without His guidance in our lives, without His Spirit and the influence of His Spirit, um, as humans, uh, the human natural side, natural man side of me, uh, whenever I sin, whenever I find myself out wandering away from my Heavenly Father and doing things that offend the Spirit and offend the Spirit, excuse me, offend our Heavenly Father and defile myself, um, that it's that personal love and that personal guidance that I forfeit naturally uh, from our Heavenly Father. And once I do that, I find myself floundering I find myself becoming degenerate and failing uh, left and right. Um, so step 11, the essence of step 11, um, there's, a, there's a scripture that I want to, to share found in Doctrine and Covenants section 123. Um, I'm going to read verses uh, 13 through 17. And as, as a recovering addict... Um, as we stop and we think about these things that it's talking about, about the, the hidden dark areas, about the hidden dark areas in our lives um, and bringing them to light and placing ourselves in a position after we've done everything that we possibly can to receive light and communication from heaven, uh, needing to be patient and waiting on our Heavenly Father to be able to receive the guidance and counsel that He has for us. Uh, A lot of that has been uh, touched on here tonight. Uh, Beginning in verse 13, speaking about, you know, applying this to us as individuals and uh, the individual addict. Therefore, that we should, excuse me, therefore, that we should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness wherein we know them. And they are truly manifested, and they are truly manifest from heaven. These should not be attended, uh, excuse me, these should then be attended to with great earnestness. Let no man count them as a small thing. Down in verse 16 it says, You brethren, you know, brethren, that a very large ship is benefited very much by a very small helm in the time of storm, being kept workways with the wind and the waves. And here's the essence of step 11. Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, 
Let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. Um, you know, verse 17 uh, really captures the essence of step 11, where up until this point, we have done everything that we possibly can, and we need to have patience uh, with the Lord and allow him to reveal to us, as it says in the scripture, uh, uh, for his arm to be revealed or his purposes in our life to be revealed to us personally. Um, I just want to add my testimony uh, to the fact, uh, the nature of God, his love, um, that he is concerned, that he is a loving God who has a perfect plan figured out for each one of us. He has solved our puzzle personally, and we need to humble ourselves and come unto him to receive the light as he can communicate it to us uh, so that we can uh, take that puzzle that he has solved for us and understand and comprehend it through the Spirit, be able to march forward and move forward in our lives and continue to overcome. I mean, is step 11, step 12, or is, is, is everything done once you hit step 11 and step 12? No, it's a constant cycle. And going back and refining the process, refining yourself as an individual, and humbly waiting upon God and allowing Him to show us what we need to do with our lives. I testify of the Savior and His love. And I humbly do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You bet. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential. And the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who express them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meeting. We also recommend using the studying and understanding and action steps sections between meetings to build on what you have heard and experienced in this meeting. Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and inspires hope in everyone attending today. At that, would somebody please volunteer to offer the closing prayer? Our dear, kind Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day that we've had. We're grateful for the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, please help us to make prayer meditation a priority in our life. Please bless those that couldn't make it this week, that they'll know that we've missed them. And please bless them with safety, and please bless that they'll be able to make it next week. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the 12-step program, for the blessings that it brings to our lives as we take action in the program. We love Thee so much, Heavenly Father. We're grateful for the time that we have here on earth to go through trials and to learn about repentance. We love thee, Heavenly Father, and we say these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you 
through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.